Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Y'all out there in sports land are driving yourself crazy. Look, yeah, I'm, I'm 0-6 in, 
fantasy football. You know, my team not playing well, but sometimes you just got to relax. Michigan's struggling. My Badgers struggling. My Steelers struggling. But at the end of the day, you just got to relax. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to relax. And it's good to be on with more guys. So keep it copacetic. Chill in the cut. Relax yourself. Let your conscience be free. You're not rolling with the boys from the RSG. On sixty, man, I am having a. I thought Brady Hoke was having the best. I am having a fantasy experience <laughs> that is catastrophic. It's at the point right now where I'm just. You know, we got to do, we got to make we got to do evaluation things at the end of the season. You know, I'm like Jerry. You know, I'm, I, you know Jerry can turn around. I can turn around. We got to evaluate some things. We got to take some. Some coaching responsibilities for some people. We we gotta evaluate some stuff. I gotta I gotta fire myself. I'm gonna I have to hire assistant general manager. I'm gonna do something. But we can't continue <laughs> to have this path that I'm trapped. I still teach advice. He gave me the best advice. I try to execute it. You know, it's just things that just I need the doctor. I got to email out <laughs> to Hamilton so we are gonna get the fantasy stuff up. But before we put our we get out there and put the stuff up, I'm gonna have a conference session with him. I'm doing something, but I'm going to relax right now. D says that I'm going to give you a (laughs) (laughs) co-manager. You got to bring in some help. He's got to find a Phil Jackson. Right now, you you James Dolan. (laughs) You're running the Knicks. (laughs) You you overextended yourself, brother. You know, it it all started. And I'm going to tell you what it was, man. It all started. You was trying to draft for two people, and you killed your own squad. Yeah. Wow. You was trying to draft a guy couldn't be there, and D. Wills was acting commissioner, so he had to facilitate this this absentee owner getting his team picked. And it just kind of – it didn't work the way we thought. It didn't work out for you, bro. It didn't work out for you at all. It all all started there. I was trying to – I had everything established going in the right direction until that moment. You know, yep. and you know, we're at eleventh hour, and I was trying to make it work. So, uh, in the future, I will be taking draft day off. I got a couple things I'm already knowing. Look, I'm t- folks on my staff know this. Draft day, you might not see me August, summer, whatever that is. <laughs> draft day off. I need. I might go golfing. I'm gonna do some other stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm having a different approach to the game. I'm not coming from a meeting. No, I'm taking. I'm coming in different. So. So you ain't got to do all that, though, dude. You ain't got to do all that. Remember, I came in hot. You know what I'm saying? I came in like four minutes off the road and, and killed the draft. I, I, I understand that. I understand that. But, you know, the one thing I understand in life is that everybody plays a different, a little bit differently. You you can do that. For me, there's certain ways <laughs> I got to be successful. And the key is you got to play your way. And, 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 you know, it means, you know, might be getting up and golfing in the morning. You know, three-hour preview session before I there, get me laid out. You know, I, I got to do some other things, but we can't have it like this. But I predict I'm going to make a run. And man, here you go with this. this. Hey, man. Story. I've done it before. Okay. Made it. <laughs> but I ran into Phil T in the playoffs, but I made it on the last day. I ran off man. like four five in a row. And then I'll leave. See, you're going to play well. When I leave, there's some fake champions. We're going to talk about who's a pretender contender. Let's keep up there at 4-1. I know we'll end up under 500. 
they talking a lot of junk right now. I'm looking at their team, and I'm saying, and I looked at my schedule, and I said, the only person I got left is a game changer at the end of the year. But the rest <laughs> of them look beatable. But they fake champs. All right. So, all right. I, I, all I'm right. down and out. That's just how I roll. But I'm going to relax okay. right now. Okay. Hang with y'all. Yeah, you, you might want to relax. You kind of charged up. You kind of charged up, brother. You might want to just relax yourself. Okay. Let me, let, me, let me bring PhD into the fold. Let me bring PhD into the fold real quick. PhD, man, how you feeling? I'm doing good, man. I'm looking forward to the last word. I've, I've got a few things I've, I really need to get off my chest for the past few weeks. Excellent, excellent. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, too, because I want to see what you got on your mind. Um, but overall, we got a banging show lined up for the fans out there. Another great RSG podcast, The Real Sports Guys, brought to you by Resistance Digital, Resistance Digital Solutions, On the Rocks in Rockford, Illinois, XL Academics, and, of course, all guests and hosts appear via the Fetchers Accounting Gateway, Fetchers Accounting, the official accountant of RSG. Hit them up. Tell, tell them The Real Sports Guys sent you, and they'll hook you up right nights. Take care of all your personal and business accounting needs. Fellas, Let's go ahead and get into the intro to let them know. This is a portion of the show where we give you a quick rundown of all the things we plan on getting into tonight. Uh, it's our little promise to you to make sure we cover our ground. Um, first up, we're going to preview Week 7 action and Week 8 action in the NFL. Um, going to our new biweekly format, we want to give you a preview of the upcoming action uh, rather than recap. You watched the games. You saw what happened. So we want to give you a preview uh, give you a quick update on kind of what we see and how we see things playing out, making some predictions, uh, giving you some uh, some of that real sports guys talk that we always do. Then we're going to hit you off talking. We're going to bring back the five on the blackhand side, a, a traditional classic RSG segment we love to do. We give you five topics around one particular sport. It's going to be college football this week. we got a lot of game to co- ground to cover um, around college football. So we're going to give you that in the five on the blackhand side. And then – NBA season is coming up, quickly approaching. Um, you know, that's, that's one of our things. That's one of our meat and potato topics right there is the league. So we're going to cover the NBA preview tonight. We're going to talk about best draft class. We're going to give you our pre- predictions for the playoffs, um, sleeper MVP candidates. So we have a ton for you all tonight. So, fellas, I want us to get right into it. All right, we're going to talk about NFL Week 7, Week 8 action coming up. Um, the first thing I want to talk about are the 5-1, and 4-1 teams, right? There's some teams that were flying below the radar for the most part. Some of these teams we expected to be in this position at this particular point of the season. Some of these teams have totally come out of the blue and are playing really great football. 5-1 and one teams, we've got the Chargers, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and then we've got a couple 4-1 and one squads. We've got the Broncos and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, of those teams, I want you to start, PAC. Which one is the biggest surprise to you? I'm going to go with the San Diego Chargers. The San Diego Chargers, to me, I mean, getting rid of Norv, I believe, was a good move. But the way that they looked last year, they really didn't change too many of their characters. Um, their offensive weapons remained the same. They lost a couple of guys in free agent defensively. And next thing you know, they start off the season, they lose, I thought, one of the most underrated offensive weapons in football, Danny Woodhead. They lost him in week one, maybe it was week two. Um, 
Then they lost Ryan Matthews. He's out for another three or four weeks at least. And they're giving the ball to Donald Jones 30 times a game. He's walking away uh, with 62 yards one week on 31 carries. (laughs) Um, You know, then they're leaning on Antonio Gates. I thought the biggest bright spot of their offense was going to be Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen has been a no-show so far this season. Um, I would say the Chargers somehow, some way, have worked it out that we're entering week seven of the season and they only have one loss. To me, by far, they're the biggest surprise. Okay. Do you think their success is sustainable? You know, there was a hint There was a hint of, of you calling smoke and mirrors on them right now. They're kind of a surprise, and you're kind of like, I think this is smoke and mirrors. Is that what it, I'm hearing? I'm hearing a hint of that in your voice. Is that an accurate assessment? Well, you know, um, I, you're probably hearing a hint, but then you're probably hearing that because I don't want to believe it. You know, at some point I'm waiting for Antonio Gates to have some kind of issue with his foot. Um, <laughs> I say every year I'm not. I say every year I'm not going to put him on my fantasy team. Guess what? I've got him on two, and it's been smooth. He's He hasn't even appeared on the injury report so far this year, but you know it's going to happen at some point. Um, defense, you know, they shut out the Jets. They've also showed up pretty well in a couple other games. Um, and then the reason I think it's sustainable is um, Rivers. Rivers has not turned, off the, turned over the ball much. If you look at his turnovers are down 80% through the first uh, five or six games this season compared to last season. <laughs> so that's going to help him win games. And this Oliver kid, uh, look, look at like a little Darryl Spr- uh, Darren Sproles wearing 43. He has been showing out. And I think even when Matthews comes back to be their early down back, I think Matthew or Oliver is going to fit in really nice as their uh, Danny Woodhead Woodhead type of guy. Okay. All right. I, 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 I'm with you. I don't want to believe it uh, just because Rivers, again, I'm not a Rivers guy. Rivers has always scared me. He's playing very good football right now, though. Um, but, again, how sustainable the run that the Chargers are on is, especially given the division that they're in. Kansas City is still a very tough team, and the Broncos are also a very good squad as well. They still have a couple of games remaining with both of those teams. Um, so, you know, you may see them kind of come back to the pack a little bit with their late-season schedule as they kind of uh, start to move through the schedule right now. Uh, D. Wills, I want to pull you into the conversation. Of those teams I talked about, I named the Chargers, Eagles, Cowboys, Broncos, and Arizona Cardinals. Which one to you is the biggest surprise? Well, I believe in the preseason, I, I did believe that the uh, Chargers would be – uh, a better team. I thought they would be solid. I think the team that is obviously the surprise is Dallas. Cowboys. Wait, 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 wait. You, you, you saw the Chargers coming. Is that what you're trying to tell me? I, 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 I think <laughs> we go back and look at the tape. I think we go back and look at the tape. I talked about the Chargers being very competitive about their win. Five, four, one, was their plan? No, but I, I thought that they did some things. I think I believe I said the way they finished last year. I thought they would be um, a good. I thought it would be a good team, probably in this range. Not four and one, but three and two. I would have been surprised. Four and one. I just I looked at that. You know, part of it is you know I got a bias against Kansas City and the coach over there, but uh, uh, <laughs> and I figured I figured you know I just like the way they played towards the end of the season last year. 
in the way that they put it together. So I thought that the Chargers, the way they're playing, I, you know, I think I think Phil, you know, who was, you know, I love the, you know, his detail and analytics around, you know, looking at the numbers and what they've been doing. And, um, you know, I, you know, I, I've been, I was a Philip Rivers guy, and then I had to jump off the bandwagon. And we'll talk about that a little bit later when we get into one of our other topics. But the team I think that is the most the surprise is the Cowboys. You know, and think okay. about this. Think about this. Think about this. They fired their team coordinator. We everybody blasted them. They're like, "What's going on?" Jerry was on his way to solidifying himself in the Al Davis society, right? But then, and part of it was, you think about it, he was going to draft Manziel, and they damn near had to tackle him. But it tells you when they did when they when they did that that there were people in the organization who had an impact on Jerry in terms of decision-making, which is one clue. We didn't see it coming. The other thing that was, I think, was key was you think about what they're doing is what, they did, what they've done with Jason Garrett. I think he's a talented coach. I think he's a great play caller when he was an offensive coordinator, but he didn't allow himself to really be a coach. And when they, they took the play calling away from him and was able to do some of the things that they were able to do, the little things, we didn't see the impact of it, but if you think about it, you know, we can talk about statistics. Really, their success is Bill Callahan, Rod Marinelli, Monty Kiffin, Scott Linehan. Think about it. That's four head coaches on the roster that makes a difference for them. And so how they're distributing the labor is showing up on the field. The other thing that they're doing is they're committed to running football. DeMarco Murray in the offensive line. You know, a lot of people say, I've been talking to you all about running the football. Everybody's talking about how the league is changing. But if you look at the top teams right now in the league, you look at some of these teams, what they do is they run the football because that stuff travels. Running the football travels. So their offensive line has been dominant. But their defense has played well enough to be competitive. I didn't think their defense was going to survive. They had some injuries early on. I thought, oh, here they go. But they play, they're coaching these guys up. They're playing tough. And they're playing the kind of football that I think sticks kind of thing is it's built around fundamentals. It's not flashy. It's not all the other stuff. It's built around really good football. And uh, I think some of that stuff is what I think is important about what the Cowboys are doing. I think it's going to be sustainable through the season. What they did to Seattle is not a fluke because of the way they're playing. Now, the question is, can DeMarco Murray stay healthy? Can you run him that much? But I also think Romo has been throwing the ball. He's been doing it accurately. He hasn't been making the crucial turnover. Um, I just like the way they're playing. So I, I would say the Cowboys. Yeah, the DeMarco Murray point I think is huge. They're finally getting him the ball regularly, and he's doing a great job of producing. But the guy's on pace for 400 carries. And this is a guy who historically has – I don't think he's ever played an entire season. Um, so that 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 is something that I'd be concerned with. Um, I think they finally smartened up, though, but I don't know if they have – putting up depth behind him where they can run him that hard and expect him to be able to be effective week 10, week 11, week 12. Um, You know, but this is what he wants. It's a contract year for Murray, and this is an opportunity for him to really kind of make some money. This is probably going to be his last contract if you're a running back. You know, he's about 26, 27. So this will probably be his last contract big-time contract that he'll get before, you know, he starts to get phased out. So the team has – Yeah, I would say in previous – let me say, in the previous years, 
you watch them, and he's a great back, but he had to create holes, right? So he used to run so violently, right? He was tucking people off. And he still does a little bit, but I think the way the line is playing, he's getting downfield a little bit more before he's reaching some contact. And, and I think that is going to make a difference for him in a way that he's running into he's running into more safeties and corners now than he used to. Before he was he had he was he was getting hit by more linemen, right, and more linebackers. But he's getting if you look at those carries probably and looked at them over a three year period in terms of where the contact was coming, I bet you he's getting more secondary hits now than he was before. And you know you keep running linemen and linebackers most of the time. Most people going down. Yeah, and, and and I agree with you. And the other point you made about Jones not taking Manziel, they've invested a lot in their offensive line, and that's really showing up. The game against Seattle, I think that was the biggest difference um, between what they were able to do and what other teams have been able to do is that Seattle wasn't able to put pressure on them. Um, and it made the Legion of Boom look a little vulnerable when you got to cover for three seconds, four seconds, five seconds. Um it's hard for anybody, I don't care how good you are, to cover receivers that long. So I think that's another thing that's been really great about what the Cowboys have been able to do is they've quietly invested in guys who will solidify the middle of their offensive block. Um, I want to look at it from another perspective. We got some sub-500 teams, some 500 and sub-500 teams that I think we thought were going to be better than they performed to this point. We got the Steelers, the Falcons, the Saints, the Bears, the Giants, the Texans, the Chiefs, and the Dolphins, all in that mix of teams that are 500, sub-500, that maybe people thought might perform a little bit better. I know I had picked the Bears to win the NFC North. Um, The Steelers, I know that your Pittsburgh Steelers, D-Wills, I'm sure you had high hopes for them. I have the Saints as my Super Bowl pick. Um, PhD. When you're looking at those teams that I named, the Steelers, Falcons, Saints, Bears, Giants, Texans, Chiefs, and Dolphins, which of those teams do you think are going to bounce back and turn it around? And can any of these teams possibly pull out their division? All right, I'll take it. So looking at these squads, um, I can take it. Why don't you I'm, let me take it? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. And, I, and I'll come back to you. Um, the, the, the team I think that can do it is the Saints. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, they're one game out, I believe, uh, first place. That division is up in turmoil, very inconsistent. But I think um, with a bye week coming out of it, assessing what they did and, did, did and didn't do, um, uh, in their the first part of the of the season uh, before their bye week, I think that they still have the ability to have the defense. You know, they can fix some things, and I I do think you know they got the offense that has some explosive plays in a division that I think is very winnable um, down the stretch. And so I, I think New Orleans is probably the team that I think has the best chance of winning their division and making a run towards the playoffs. Okay. Uh, PAC, what's your opinion on that? Which of those teams you, do you think are, are getting back in it? Well, I think there's two teams. I'll, I'll only talk about one, um, but the Chicago Bears. I believe the Bears The Bears right now are 3-3. Three and three. 
They're only a game behind, like they're only a game out of first place. They're a game behind Green Bay and they're a game behind Detroit. Both those teams that they're that they're behind, I believe, are very suspect. <laughs> Green Bay is just one concussion, um, Aaron Rodgers concussion away from going on a three to four game losing streak. And the way that their offense is set up right now, with Eddie Lacy struggling to run the ball effectively, if they get an injury to either Cobb or or Nelson, the defenses are going to be able to collapse on the on the remaining guy. Um, they don't have a tight end that's consistent right now, and they're really struggling with that third receiver. Detroit, and I hate to say this about my Honolulu Blue, Detroit Lions, they're not real. And we've seen that over the last few years. I'm rooting for them uh, with Caldwell. But whatever's going on with Calvin Johnson, we don't know how long he's going to be out. I think they're just struggling to stay afloat. They're running like they have two solid running backs. They're not getting much from those running backs in terms of Bell and Bush. Um, so I think Chicago, especially with their offense is rolling, I think their defense will come around as the weather gets colder, and and I could easily see them finishing at ten and six, winning that division. Okay, the thing you can't talk about the Bears and not have a have a a conversation about their quarterback. Um, and I think they go as Jay Cutler goes. And when he's on, they're a hard team to deal with. But yeah. when he's off, anybody can get him. Um, what are your thoughts on Jay Cutler's performance so far with that Bears team? I'm a fan of Jay Cutler. I believe that Chicago Bear fans are just very unfair to the guy. He's the best quarterback, <laughs> in my opinion, that they've had since before the Ditka days. I do. I think he's better than Harbaugh. I think he's better than Flutie. I think he's better than McMahon. He's, and he's better than all these other bums that have been playing there since then. And for some reason, Bears fans are just way too critical of this guy. Is he a top five quarterback in the league? No. But he's better than what you've had. <laughs> Appreciate that. And so I think he's coming into his own. The emergence of Martellus Bennett has made his world so much better. And it's also made Jeffrey and Marshall more more dangerous on the outside as well as Forte out the backfield. Bennett is doing things that I didn't think he had the potential to do. He's drawing double teams um, at certain points of the game, especially in the red zone, the same way that Jimmy Graham does. Um, and also the, the kid out in uh, Denver, Johnson. So Bennett is doing some really amazing things. He's slimmed down. His agility is a lot better, and you just can't cover him, you know, inside the red zone right now. Yeah, and, and the Cutler thing, I think when you talk about Bears fans and their relationship with Jay Cutler, it really does come down to the idea that they haven't had a good quarterback, and they've had to watch their arch rival go through about 30 years, what will soon be about 20 years, of solid quarterback play. I mean, really great quarterback play when you talk about the, the recent history of the Green Bay Packers. And so I think a lot of it is, is Bears fans being totally jealous. <laughs> totally jealous that I, I, their guy isn't Rodgers or Favre. What, what do you think, D. Wills? I, I, would, I would say that there's a couple of things with this that is a legitimate criticism of Cutler. Is um, – I don't, I don't think the Jeff George thing is a legitimate 
comparison of him. I don't think I like Jeff George. I just think Jeff George has some other issues, but he put some numbers together. But I, I think Cutler Cutler has a leadership issue, and I think part of the real difference between Cutler and Rogers in terms of um, skill set, there's no much difference between those two. I think the difference of getting them over the top is the the little ways in which I don't see Cutler leading his team and pushing, you know, getting people around. He 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 has a personality that is not engaging enough for this team to get them over the top because they don't have enough other things in which I think he needs to be a. And I don't think a yeller and a screamer, but a vocal in a way that builds capacity. I think that's a hole in him, and I don't see him working on that in a way that I think could help him. The other thing is I don't think that that isn't about is the running game, and we've talked about it. I think what can save Cutler and the Bears and have them be a little bit more consistent, and I think it helps Romo, is allowing for them to have a consistent play around that. And I think – Sometimes they can get so pass happy that I don't think they effectively help their team out running. And so Cutler ends up making throws that he doesn't. And I think their offense, it feels like it needs to be a little bit more balanced in ways. Even if you have a, Sometimes the weapons can be fools, though. And I, you're in Chicago. You're going to get cold. Running game can help you. And so I also think I don't want to put as much of that. I like to see them have a little bit more balance so that when he does throw, they're much more big, bigger plays. And I think that has nothing to do with it. But I think there's some leadership things he has to do a better job of that just hasn't been a part of his personality. Okay. All right. I, I still think they're in it. I still think they have a chance. Um, the team that I also – the team I'm concerned about is the Saints. Um, I expect they're going to be much better than they perform. They don't even look like themselves on offense anymore. Um, T. Wills, how do you think the loss of what the Saints are doing offensively when, you know, they've relied on their offense to kind of make their defense better for the last seven, eight years? You know, the offense has been the show. The defense kind of is usually in good position to make some stuff happen, but it's more offense getting it done um, and making the defense stronger by putting team, forcing other teams to have to pass and making the, other, the opponent more predictable. What do you think? Well, I, I think what, what's going on with that offense? Well, I would say just like San Diego, they have what we call the Sproles hangover. You know, there are times <laughs> when there are certain people you pay because they're good specialists. And I think people are starting to learn that, you know, there's pros, you know, much like a Nate Robinson. Sometimes it's catch you just pay because there's something they do. And there's something they do that's better than anybody else in the world and that has value. And I think they're learning how to deal post pros in that I think we'll have we'll, – I think they'll make those adjustments, um, you know, after the bye week. You know, I think Thomas had a really nice day uh, before they went on the bye uh, where he had a really effective day in terms of running. But, they, you know, when they were running, they had a much more balanced attack. You know, when they won the Super Bowl, they were running the football. I think sometimes people were thinking that, you know, um, because they're they're so explosive that everything is happening in the passing game. The other thing is Colston is not doing anything. Like, he is a threat, and he's not anywhere in offense. And sometimes you can fall in love with Jimmy Graham, 
and that's fool's gold because you don't get other people involved in the game. But Colston, for me, hasn't been as much of a factor in the game, uh, moving the chains in ways that I think they need to do. And I, I think they'll probably find ways to get him more involved in it. But I also think they need that running. And the other thing is that on the defensive side of the ball, guys just have to – and this is where Ryan's got to do a better job. Sometimes on defense you just got to do your job. And sometimes when you watch them, you have guys who are pressing, trying to make plays rather than just doing their job. And when Ryan's defense is working well, it's about execution. It looks like a lot of chaos. But what happens is everybody executes and does their job. They're fundamentally sound, and I haven't seen that. I think some of that stuff will get cleaned up and corrected. But I do think they need to figure out how to run the ball. they got to replace what they don't have with Sproles and, and have a little bit more balanced attack. Um, it's something that, but I think they'll do it, and their division isn't going to run away from them. You know, you know, playing Tampa Bay can allow you to get healthy. Uh, Atlanta hasn't been on fire. I mean, I think their division doesn't scare you enough like it's going to run away from them. It will allow them to get healthy. All right. Well, transition. And I like the point you made about the specialists. You know, guys like Sproles, uh, Devin Hester, guys who are just specialists, they have that one skill that you really – it's not so much about whether or not you want to pay them, it's whether or not you can replace them. Um, and they, they remove a dimension from your team. Um, it's a great point. It's a great point. I would just echo that point. Now I want to talk about, you know, Russell Wilson this past week had a great performance two Mondays ago um, on Monday Night Football. Um, just tore it up, you know, killed with his legs, killed with his arm. Just had a great week. Um, and it sparked a lot of conversation about how elite of a quarterback is and where he is in the hierarchy of quarterbacks right uh, right now in the league. Where does Russell fit in as far as you're concerned, um, PhD, in your top seven quarterbacks? Who are your top seven quarterbacks? Hmm. Um, this this is a tough one because I feel like some of the old staples um, have moved towards the back of the line, and, and there's some new guys emerging into this group. Um, so I would say, in no particular order, my top seven quarterbacks would be Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning. Oh, I'm still gonna go with Drew Brees. Um, uh, Matt Stafford, I'm not going to hold what's going on with no Calvin Johnson against him. Um, I'm going to throw Andrew Luck into the mix. Andrew Luck has shown me a lot um, the first six six weeks of the season. Um, and then I'm I'm going to bring a guy that, that uh, I know, Eric Hamilton, the guru from KZOO, is going to trip about, but I want to say Tony Romo. Tony Romo has been playing at an elite level, I believe, so far this season. And then I'm still going to bring Tom Brady into the mix. Um, and the the guy I was really going back and forth with was, was Russell Wilson. Do I include Russell Wilson um, and take out Matt Stafford? And I I was really going back and forth. That game on Monday night had me thinking about maybe Wilson should be in this group. Um, and there's Eli Manning, too. But I'm going to stick with those seven. Um, 
if you had asked me last year, I think Matt Ryan would have been in the conversation. I think Eli Manning would have been in the top seven just based on what he's done in the playoffs. Um, I've watched Big Ben play a lot this year, and I have not been impressed with him at all. Um, so Russell Wilson, in my opinion, is number eight. I would certainly entertain a discussion with him being as high as six, taking out Romo and um, Stafford. Okay. D. Will, give me your top seven. My top seven is Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Philip Rivers is a surprise. Based on what they're wow. doing now. What they're doing now. Drew Brees, Tony Romo, Andrew Luck, and Russell Wilson coming in at seven. And what mm. I think we've seen with Russell, um, you know, not saying this last week, was that, um, you know, I've always been a Russell Wilson fan. If he was 6'4", people would be questioned. There's nothing about his game that doesn't tell you he can't play. Now, has he had the weapons around him? He's found a way to take more control of that offense. I think what people saw, you know, a couple weeks ago gives you an example of what he can do. Um, I like where he's at. Um, he's at seven with Brady at eight. Brady, Brady's put together a couple weeks. You know, we talk in a couple weeks, and Brady's, you know, he has a good game Thursday night, then we might have a different conversation about this order. Um, you know, um, but that's kind of where I'm at. You know, yeah, so that's my seven. As of okay. today, where I'm at. As of today, okay, I'll, I'll give you that caveat. As of today, um, for me, I'm looking at Aaron Rodgers, uh, Peyton Manning, um, Andrew Luck, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and Cam Newton. And I'm at, I'm 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 not I'm not buying Stafford, um, simply because I'm not buying that good without Megatron. I'm not buying Stafford because I have him. On, I I I'm watching this guy closely this year because I have him on my fantasy team. And when Megatron's not in the lineup, he's not a good quarterback. He's not a good quarterback. He's just not. When Megs is not in there, the guy's not nearly as effective as when Megatron is in there. And who wouldn't be, though? I mean, you have the best receiver in the league. It's just hard to replace that, as we were talking about. But he still guys. has talent around you, though. He does, but okay. he, he's not able to really work with that talent the way. Megatron just makes your life easier, and it makes the other guys better. Um, and when he doesn't have them, he's not, he's not a guy who's making receivers. He's not Aaron Rodgers where – you can you can have a revolving door of receivers as long as they are talented. He's going to make them even. He's going to turn a good receiver to a great receiver. That's not who he is. Peyton Manning can do that. Aaron Rodgers does that for guys. Drew Brees will do that for a guy. They'll make a guy who's all right good and a guy who's good great. That's not Stafford. The reason I got Russell Wilson in there is for some of the similar reasons you said, D. Wills. If he's got Andrew Luck size, there's no question how good this guy is. But because he's small, I think some people underestimate how effective he is, he's a very, very effective player. Um, and he just gets it done. He's winning games. He's not winning them pretty. Sometimes he's carrying that team. Um, that Monday night game, he carried that team. Uh, and there aren't a lot of quarterbacks who can do that at this stage in their career, at such a young stage in their career, where they can just carry a squad. Um, the other guy who can do that is Cam Newton. And we saw it this week um, where he rushed for over 100 yards, threw for over 250 yards, just had a great game. He's finally getting healthy again, uh, and we're starting to see Cam kind of be more Cam-ish, um, to make up a word on the spot real quick. Uh, 
And <laughs> for me, that that makes that makes Carolina a problem um, when he's clicking the way he's clicking now. Because you know Benjamin Kelvin Benjamin's got a concussion issue, showing some concussion symptoms, but that's a stellar receiver. Um, and you match him and Cam up, and I think you know they start to put some pieces around those guys. If they ever find a running back. <laughs> which has been the issue with this squad for the longest. You know, PAC goes out, he picks up <laughs> D'Angelo Williams for his fantasy team. <laughs> After going on and on about how he just does not like this guy, and then what does D'Angelo Williams do to him? D'Angelo Williams type things. In the second quarter game, doubt. <laughs> if Carolina ever got they, – they've had a running game. They haven't had a stud running back. You know, they've, they've done the running back by committee thing for quite some time now. Um, it would be great to see if they actually settled on a guy and, and, and found a guy who they could have be their bell cow um, for for an extended period of time um, and put that guy in with Greg Olson and, and Kelvin Benjamin. I like the Panthers team, and they have a really good defense. So, But Cam is what makes that team go. So those are my top seven guys in the league right now. So, again, that's just a snapshot of – what the real guy, real sports guys are thinking right now. You're listening to the real sports guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, brought to you by Resistance Digital. We're going to pay a few bills real quick, and then we're going to get into the dog of the week. Now we're going to get into our Resistance Digital dog of the week. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upsell you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So, what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. All right, fellas, dog of the week. Starting with you, D-Wills. You know how it goes, my man. We need more dogs. You know, there was a time, one of the the, 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 the things that would just, as a Steeler fan, that would just hurt you was this yell from the slick-haired former coach of Miami used to say, how about them Cowboys? I got to say, <laughs> the Cowboys, and I, I rarely do a team thing, but I got this, their performance in Seattle in that offensive line in uh, the way that they handled the Legion of Doom. I give a dog of the week to the offensive line of the Dallas Cowboys. Where, you know, people who, the only time you hear about them is when they get a flag. But here on the Real Sports Guys, we're, we're nuanced enough to know. When those big uglies down there on the line are doing their job, we got to give them recognition. Even from a former defensive lineman, i got to let the guys on the other side of the line know what they do. So that Cowboys offensive line is uh, the dog of the week for me. All right? Yeah, and they've been putting in work, and they put a lot of money and high-value picks into that line. So it, it, it shows you what you do when you invest in, in the guys up front. And you invest in building your team from from up front out, from the inside out. Uh, PhD. We need more dogs. I've got two dogs of the week. One is Cam Newton. Cam Newton put up monster numbers, like you mentioned, over 100 yards rushing, 
Uh, he picked apart the defense to really play well in in, um, uh, in Cincinnati. <sighs> the second dog of the week is for D. Wills. It is the Cleveland Browns for whooping. Rubbing it in. Rubbing it in. I was at the game. I was in attendance. Oh, now you got to oh. the game in attendance. <laughs> so so what's the buzz around the Browns around town, uh PAD about the uh the Browns? Johnny um, not <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I'll be honest. Um in Cleveland the Browns hate the Steelers and when they beat the Steelers it's like Christmas. But then if you talk to Steelers fans, you know, it's it's kind of like the Browns, what? I mean, we kind of on bigger things. You know, our biggest rivals are the Ravens, you know, New England. Like, we win in Super Bowls. And so, you know, little little the, Browns, the Browns I almost see as, you know, it's, it's like the little brother or for me the little nephew where you can beat them 100 straight times, but the one time, they sneak out a win, whether it's playing basketball in the backyard or video games. They're going to run in the house and tell everybody about it. I beat Uncle Phil. I beat Uncle Phil. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and Devon, I'm going to need you to stay quiet over there and not, you know, like, you know, because cause, cause I'm saying what you want to say, all right, but I'm not going to take a whole lot of that's what I'm saying. Um, but, <laughs> But that's kind of what I see with the Browns, man. You know, that's that's kind of what I see with the Browns. And they don't beat the Steelers often. And the Steelers are – the Steelers have won more Super Bowls in the last five years than the number of times the Browns have beaten them. So um, (laughs) it's kind of comical just watching that. But at the end of the day, it's Sunday, you know, and and it it gives people something to be excited about in regards to football. Overall, people are pleased with Hoyer. You're not hearing a lot about Manziel. Hoyer's playing really solid. Um, they're really happy to see Cameron kind of break out of his slump, the tight end. And and there's this burning type of optimism that if they can figure out a way to just stay in it, you know, be around 500 by the time Josh Gordon comes back, this offense can really take off. Yeah, yeah. And I love the way you set that up. Excellent. Well played. Well played. My dog of the week goes to LeBron James. And I know they haven't played any actual games yet, but I think it was great that he came out and he's kind of taking a leadership role um, in representing all the players. Um, When the best player in the league comes out and talks about the owners not being able to cry uh, broke the next time the uh, CBA comes up, I think it, 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 it puts it on people's minds in a different kind of a way than if, you know, the typical players union rep talks about it. Um, you know, the NBA just signed a, a nine-year, $24 million or billion-dollar uh, media rights deal with ESPN and Turner Sports. Um, just a lot of money has, is being thrown around for these TV right deals. And the league is in a great place. Again, the Clippers sold for $2 billion. Uh, the, the Milwaukee Bucks sold for half a, half a billion. Um, you know, the Atlanta Hawks probably will go for 1.5 or so, somewhere in that neighborhood. 
So you have teams uh, being sold for way more than what they're worth. You have this great TV deal. There's a lot of good things in play right now for the league, and the owners are not going to be able to come to the table next time and, and talk about how they're hemorrhaging money um, from their pocketbooks because of how much money the players are getting. Um, so I just I, I, I want to take, you know, we, we talk about guys not taking a stand on certain things. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy LeBron came out and said something um, and made a statement on this particular topic. Um, so that was it for this edition of Dog of the Week, brought to you by Resistance Digital, Resistance Digital Solutions. For all your technology needs, make sure you hit up our guy, LR. He'll hook you up with a great price, all the stuff you want and need, all the update, updated stuff. He'll get the tech game right. Make sure you check him out at resistancedigital.com. Um, we haven't used this one in so long. I just missed it. When I was putting together the rundown, I was like, I, I haven't used this drop in so long, so I'm not even going to set it up. I'm just going to play it. Five, uh, five, uh, uh, on the black hand side. Yeah, I, I got to hear one more time. Y'all want to hear one more time, too, don't you? <laughs> five, uh, five, uh, uh, on the black hand side. Yes, sir. <laughs> five on the black hand side is back and in full effect. We're going to talk NCAA football for the next 20 minutes or so. Let's just get right into it. Mississippi burning. The state of Mississippi is on fire. You got Mississippi State, number one team in the country. Ole Miss, number three team in the country. Now, I said I was going to do this. Put it on wax. Put it on air. Put it over the airways. PhD, you called it. You called it. You said Ole Miss was going to be in the mix for a Final Four spot. Right now they're sitting at the three seed. Now, the question remains is can this success that both these teams have experienced be maintained? That's the question I posed to you, PhD. You got Mississippi State, you got Ole Miss. Which one of these teams is going to be, be there in the end? Are you sticking with Mississippi or are you going with Dak Prescott and the Bulldogs? I'm sticking with Mississippi, but honestly, I thought Mississippi State was going to lose to LSU. I thought Mississippi State was going to lose to um, Texas A&M. I did. <laughs> so this is a team that has shown a lot of uh, grit. And um, I like the quarterback, man, Prescott. He's a tough guy. But Ole Miss, you know, I like Wallace as a quarterback. And they have they have four guys on their defensive line or, or, or their front seven, I should say, that are predicted to – um, be first or second round picks if they come out this year. <laughs> I mean, that's Alabama stuff right there. And then they've got a kid in the, the defensive backfield who is just, um, well, I feel like my uh, junior high coach saying defensive backfield. But they have DBs. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't remember the name of the kid that caught the interception against Alabama that sealed the game. Um, they have a couple of guys I can cover. And so I like Mississippi, but it's going to be tough. I think both these teams will lose a game. I think everybody in that league will lose a game. It's going to come down to the SEC championship. Hopefully they can do enough to get to the, uh, to get to the SEC championship because the winner of that game, they're going to be in the Final Four. 
you know, and then they still have to play each other, correct? If I, if uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, right? They have an in-state rivalry game. I don't know what it's called. The but, Egg you know, Bowl. Right. The, the egg, egg Bowl. There you go. I don't know what that's The Egg Bowl. So they gotta they gotta face off. They gotta face off. So that may be that may be uh that may be the greatest Egg Bowl ever. <laughs> I don't know if there's ever been ever been an Egg Bowl with this much riding on it. Um. D. Wills, what's your perception of these two squads? Do you think they're going to be able to keep it together long enough to to make it all the way to the Final Four? Well, what I'll say, first of all, I think um, both these programs have been built the right way. Um, they both, Prescott, O. Wallace, those are SEC names and Southern names for quarterbacks. They got <laughs> um, But, you know, they're – you know what my 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 uh my old coach Hank Wiggins used to say, you know, uh you can't fear success. And uh I remember he said that uh prior to our senior season. Um and one of the things that is about it is when you're successful there comes expectations. And when you're number one or number three, it's it's something it's one thing to work your way to those rankings. It's another thing to perform once you're there. The lights get a little brighter, and if you look at if you look at their uh, their schedules going down the stretch, so this is where potential losses come from. Mississippi State, uh, they got to play um, at Alabama. They also got to play at Mississippi, but they got a they got a team, and, and this is a team that played Alabama very well, which I think could be a spoiler because they haven't won a game in SEC in a couple of years. Is Arkansas is going to play a, a role in this on either team? And so I, I, it's going to be interesting. Now, the Arkansas game for Mississippi State, they play at home. For for Ole Miss, they play at Arkansas. It's an interesting thing. But I think that Alabama game, now that Saban's a little angry, could be something for Mississippi State. Ole Miss got a couple of possibilities. They play Tennessee game coming up, could be a tough game, but I think they might get through it. They play LSU. LSU needs some type of victory. Still dangerous. They got to play Auburn, and then they got to play at Arkansas, which again I think one of those trap games before they play against Mississippi State. So I think they got some games here. I, I, I predict when we talk about our Final Four, um, Mississippi might burn here down the stretch. But I think they might end up on the outside looking in. We talking four weeks. We might be like. That egg bowl might out of scrambled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> well played, well played, well played there, well played there. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. You know, PhD did call this, and I wasn't buying it simply because it's it's Mississippi, and you know we're younger guys. I don't remember Ole Miss having good football ever. Even when Eli was there, they were okay. Um, Mississippi State, come on, man. I don't. I don't ever recall the Bulldogs being a must-watch college football uh, team ever. So it, it's been something that I've had to talk myself into this idea that Mississippi and Mississippi State are teams that we need to talk about that we need to be looking out for. You know, it's almost like somebody's doing a, 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 a dynasty mode in NCAA football right now. They picked Ole Miss and Mississippi State to be their dynasty team, and for some reason these teams just popped up at the top of the rankings. Because they're player, they're player control. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. 
So we'll see how this all plays out. I want to move on to the next topic of the five on the black hand side, and that is going to the Big 12. As we move across the country talking top, uh, college football and the five on the black hand side, we have Baylor. Is Baylor the new it school in Texas? Um, and what I'm trying to say is with beating Texas, beating TCU, is Baylor the place to be for Texas recruits now? PhD, what are your thoughts? I think Baylor has surpassed TCU. I think they're neck and neck with Texas right now, but I think they're still second or third place to Texas A&M. Texas A&M is the place to be if you're a kid playing in Texas right now. And I never thought I'd say that in my lifetime, but um, that's the situation. You know, I think Charlie Strong is certainly building some stuff down there, and he's building it the right way, but um, Texas A&M, with the success the last couple of years and the way they started off this year, you know, you know, you know that even though they've they've lost two tough games, I think jumping to the SEC and these top recruits now are more interested in playing in the SEC versus the Big Twelve. Um, I think it's Texas A&M, but Baylor has certainly surpassed Texas. All right, and, and here's the here's the question: the, the nine dollar ninety nine cent question is, are they ever? And I mean Texas, the Longhorns, are they ever going to be able to recover kind of that status as the team to beat, um, or the team, the place to go, the the flagship school? Because I agree with the assessment, Texas A and M is kind of a, a step above everybody else with this SEC uh, connection. Um, and just the cachet that it's carrying right now, having a recent Heisman Trophy winner, um, their number one pick, um, and, and Luke Jokel coming out of there. Um, is Texas going to be able to recover? Because Texas is struggling right now in Charlie Strong's first year. Are they going to be able to recover? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. It might. It might take four or five years, but it will. I kind of relate what's happening in Texas to what's happening in Ann Arbor right now, uh, Big Blue, Michigan. Um, it's Michigan. It is. They can have down years, but guess what? A couple of years ago when they went to the Sugar Bowl, it's Michigan. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think especially in the South, it's Texas. It is. And whenever they get it together and they get a good class in front of them, they're going to be just fine. Okay, okay, all right. D. Wills, what are your thoughts on Baylor as the it school in the state of Texas? I, I think it's a it school. Now, I think they're they're going to be competitive for a long time. I still think it's Texas because the difference. I, I agree with what you say about Texas A&M. Texas A&M, you know, you know, if you've been around, they they all the wrecking crew. They always had a tradition around football. Um, with them, I think uh, what they're doing now, they're they're going to attract some great players. But what's great about Texas, you know, when, what Charlie Stone, Charlie Strong's trying to do is get the foundation. He's trying to create the expectation. I think one of the challenges he'll have is getting the high school coaches to um, buy into that. But the thing about Texas is that you know he'll he'll he can, he'll he'll work his way into the high school coaches at some point, but he can draw from whatever, and they'll get talent on both sides of the ball. Well, they're going to dominate on the other teams. What I love about Texas A&M, they're scoring, but they ain't really stopping anybody. I don't see that kind of trend changing with them, which is always going to give them problems in the SEC. So they're always going to be competitive, but can they win it all the time? 
that's going to be a struggle. Whereas Texas is going to have elite players when it's all said and done on both sides of the ball. So I, I think that give Charlie a little bit of time. He's going to get the right kind of players. Uh, he's won wherever he's been. Um, and I think you're going to see a, a, a major jump between this year and next year. And once they start getting momentum, you know, they're going to get talent on both sides of the ball. Similar to what he said about Michigan. When teams like that start getting rolling, that talent doesn't come in spots. It comes on both sides of the ball. It's, the, it's like the, the floodgate open, and it's four-style, five-style athletes. That's where, you know, Texas will get back in. But Baylor's going to be strong and fighting all the time. They're always going to be in the mix. Okay. All right. I want to move on to the next one. Todd Gurley suspension. Todd Gurley, for those that don't know, Georgia running back, one of the top NFL prospects in all of college football, number one running back prospect, um, got jammed up, is, is suspended indefinitely right now for signing autographs for money. Um, now, Jameis Winston has recently um, been alleged to have done the same thing. Um, he hasn't been suspended yet. There's still an investigation pending. Um, by Florida State, by the NCAA, um, to see if 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 there is any uh, truth to the allegations that Jameis. Well, as far as is the suspension just? Is it fair? What are your thoughts? What's the suspension that Gurley got? He's out indefinitely right now. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, the last I heard of it, too. Um, I don't know. It it makes me think of Manziel. Manziel got, I believe he got suspended for a quarter. And a half. It's a bit different. 30 minutes. A half. There you go. It's a bit different situation because I don't think they had Johnny on tape. And it seems like they have girly on tape or 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 video or, or camera, something to do. It frustrates me because in five in five years or maybe even three years, this may be very legal. It might be. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. So unfortunately, um, it was wrong, you know. I I don't know if he's admitted to it or if they're still investigating or what, but. You know, if he got caught, he got caught. Hey, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. D. Wills, what are your thoughts? I, I would take another angle on this because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm this area I'm looking at. I, I think you know this 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 thing is not going to change. There's going to be a lot of stuff. We have to do capacity building with these young men. And the bottom line for both these players in four months. You can sign a better deal with a memorabilia company than you get now for like two thousand dollars. Like, like your signature is going to be worth more in six months signing the right deal. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say, and I've been thinking about that. It's like, even from a, a strategic standpoint, all the time you put in, you you made maybe twenty five hundred dollars. Girly, in like four months. You go. You might sign a better deal. You gonna. You you could probably be making. You know, seventy thousand dollars off of that signature. And so, part of it is like, you know, it's not like you're waiting three years. It's like six months, three months, even that. You know, if you go to the, if you play in the final game, 
you know, by January 30th or whatever it is, you, you can start doing that, right? So, you know, part of this is we got this, there's got to be some capacity buildings on with some of these young cats um, in terms of how you leverage yourself uh, because the sacrifice you're getting now versus, you know, you just, you're not like a freshman, you got to wait three years. You wait three months. And so, you know, he got what he got. And his team is suffering, and he has a chance to win a national championship, which your signature is going to be worth more if you win it. In all great points. Yeah, I think those are all great points, D. Wills. Um, I think, PhD, you raised a great point, too. It's the rule. It's the rule, and I, I'm, I'm all in. It's a bad rule, um, but it is the rule. And you have a responsibility to know the rules and to play by them as long as you want to stay eligible. Now, yeah. you break the rule, you, you open yourself up to be kind, to get consequences. And, and whatever the consequences are, it's too late to it's too late to him and all about what you're going to get. You, you knew what the rule was, you broke it, you get what you get. I'm all in on that. I'm also all in on these guys got to understand the long-term game, the big picture of the game that they're playing and be able to make choices that are going to benefit them from a long-term perspective rather than this very short-sighted, narrow-minded idea of let me get the money now, even though, as you said, D. Wills, in three three and a half months, you'll be able to sign a, a real deal that's much more lucrative than what you're going to get under the table on the black market. And, and let's, saying, let's, let's be honest. Let me, let me say this. Let's be honest. This is the South, too. You could right. be getting set up. Alabama fan could be setting you up. You know, I mean, come on, let's keep it real. <laughs> hey, I know okay. y'all heard this lady that called in on Cowherd's show. That's who you're dealing with. That's who you're dealing with down there, man. could be sending somebody over to see you, right? And so people got to think about that. Like, why are you coming to me right now? Yeah. Right? You know, Alabama yeah. is what, at seven? Georgia's not too yep. far out. You know, yeah. don't do this is South. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they think that Alabama? You know. <laughs> How they show them a title? Hey, roll tide. Roll tide. <laughs> roll tide. <laughs> Let's make the Iron Bowl I, <laughs> But I do, I do, I do. It does bring me to a point, though, that, you know, if the NCAA just got out of these matters and let guys – Sign deals. Let guys get, again, let them get money on the side. If they can get money on the side, let them get the money on the side. Like, as long as it's not coming from the institution, then don't worry about it. You know, if an agent wants to give a guy or somebody wants to give a guy a couple grand for signing for signing autographs, then allow him to be able to to broker that or have the university broker it for him, you know, but work that out, and, and and as you said, D. Wills, then he may be able to get actually a lucrative deal that is more in line with a deal that he would get as a professional. Instead of having these kids get run game on, you know, and not that he's a victim by any means, I just think it's it's a situation where if the NCAA just got out of this whole business of trying to regulate this kind of stuff, which they don't do a good job anyway, Yahoo is basically doing it for them. All right. <laughs> yeah. The NCAA needs to go get whoever is running running stories, doing investigative reporting at Yahoo, and get them to run the uh, 
compliance department of the NCAA because Yahoo is the only person catching anybody right now for anything. <laughs> Let's be real about it. Outsource that. Seriously, when was the last time the NCAA actually caught somebody? <laughs> so like, just get out of the business of doing something that you're not good at. Stick to what you're good at. Regulate the institutions. The outside stuff, just let it go. You know, I think this is a situation where, you know, he broke a rule. He's going to get what he's going to get. But overall, the rule needs to be looked at. And I think that there just needs to be some a new way of thinking about guys getting money from outside sources. Um I mean, I, I don't see how it makes anybody more effective of a player in any way, shape, or form on a court or or a football field. So uh, let's move on to number four and the five on the black-hand side, the hot seats. The hot seats. A lot of coaches are on the hot seat. We're picking three. We want to talk about them real quick. Brady Hoke at Michigan. Is he on the hot seat? Or are you just giving him the side eye? That's what we're playing right now. Is it the hot seat or just the side eye? Why? You know, the side eye you get when you you about to get it. It's just, it's just look that your mom gave you when you was doing a little bit too much, right? Mm. You was over at company's house and you was doing a little bit too much running around. You had come in yeah. and out maybe one too many times, and she gave you that look, yeah. but she didn't want to go ham yeah. on you, but she wanted to let you know it was coming. <laughs> mm. The hammer was coming. You come out to you, you come out to come out of pocket one more time, and here comes the hammer. So are you are they on the hot seat or are you giving them the side eye? First up is Brady Hoke. Hot seat, side eye, D Wills. His seat is more than hot. He he wearing <laughs> as Chris Carr would say, gasoline draws. I mean it's it's be gone hot right now. <laughs> like, the the devil made me do it hot. That's what he's doing right now. Is it mm. right or wrong? It is what it is. There's no coming back from this, Brady. Unless you go on like one of these, uh, uh, this crazy. If you if if you and I go on the same type of streak, I think I can do a fantasy. Then we both might survive this, Brady. But we both. Wow, Brady Hoke has got to go on. Uh, what man? Brady, I mean Brady Hoke. Anybody out there listening, any RSG fans, you got connected to Brady Hope, let him know. He don't want to be sitting there like D-Will Thompson. Oh, I think we can make a run. I think we can put it, I think we're going to put it together. I think we're going to make a run because D-Will is always about to make a run. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and I watched him at the press conference and I realized how stupid I was. I'm like, that's me. And he don't make any sense. Yeah. He's looking at him like he's a fool. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> the kid's playing. Oh, uh, man. Uh, I just, uh it's hot. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next one. PhD, hot seat or side eye? Gary Anderson, University of Wisconsin. I yield my time to Devon. He's on fire. D. Wills, hot seat or oh, side eye? What you got? This is, this is my guy right here. I don't think he's on hot seat. I mean, he's not. Um, I think he's going to get that ship going in the right way uh, for him. So I'm, I'm less. Um, Worried about him being in the house. So he's got to find. He's got to get his quarterback situation uh, taken care of. But I, I don't see him being on the hot seat. I think he uh, uh, he'll have a good finish this year and he'll go on. But I, I don't put him in the same category as I put Brady Hope. Okay, all right. He might, have a little, he might, a little, yeah, he might a little have a little side eye from folks. That's just how things are when you got Barry in the building. That quarterback situation is ugly. 
that quarterback situation is ugly right now, and it's ugly because the guy he brought in is not performing. You know, he he yeah, put McAvoy he put McAvoy in that spot maybe too soon. Yeah, he should have stayed with Stavi, or he should be doing what they did with Zach Prescott last year. You got to run him. He's a great athlete. T-bowling, you know, he, you should be T-bowling him. Let you know he can do that. I think he should have stayed with Stavi and let the development happen. You know, playing safety stunted his growth. You know, he didn't yeah. have a chance to really play, you know, so. And then it also goes back to that old adage, if you got two quarterbacks, you really don't have it. You really don't have it. No, no. But I think All right. if you spend time around him, he'll correct that. Okay, okay. Uh, last one. Al Golden University in Miami, the U. Is the U ever coming back? See, this is why I get worried about the Michigans and the Texases of the world is that you might not come back. We've been waiting on the U to come back for about a decade now, like seriously. When you really start to look at it, it's been a minute, and we're still waiting on the U to be the U. Hasn't been the U in a minute. And, you know, you can fall into these purgatories where you you don't come back for a while, if ever. I mean, for, well, see, for they, a long time ago, in the 90s, the University of Washington was a powerhouse. Right now, some kids yeah, out there saying, what is he talking about? The University of Washington? Yeah, but he, they've running away from Luke, right? Whereas, like, think about USC. They ain't really running away from Snoop. They're trying to do a little bit stronger. You know, Sarkeesian's got the music <laughs> going back into practice, you know, and and I'm I'm, I'm surprised because Donna Shalala, their chancellor who was at Wisconsin, you know, is somebody who's very supportive of athletics. So I'm, I'm they, they keep trying to get Butch Davis. They need to get Jimmy Johnson type. You know what I'm saying? So not – they're not getting the what I call the recruiter. They're not getting the someone. They're not getting the person that has a cool factor. Think about the coaches they've had. None of them really got the cool factor. You know, and that's what Jimmy had was the cool factor, you know, uh, in a way that keeps things going, that makes a kid want to go, you know, to Miami. And I think they just haven't found that guy. I think they'll come back because they, they, you just got to look out the window and find a player. You know, not that far. You got to look, but I, I don't think they have coaches who come with that cool factor in a way that they should have, and they, in, in in they shouldn't run too far away from their past. Bring Luke back. He coaching. Okay. All right. All right. Last one in the five on the black hand side. Your four playoff teams as of today. PhD. Go. Notre Dame. Mississippi. Florida State, and Baylor. Mm. D-Wills. I'm trying to figure out how you got uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this and how you got – I got to go back and listen to your group. But I'm going to go with Florida State, Baylor. And this is going to be a surprise because a lot of teams are going to fall. Michigan State. And then – Georgia. Mm, okay, I've got, I've got Georgia, Notre, I've got Notre Dame, I've got Florida State. I'm going Oklahoma sneaking back in the mix. Wow. And, and I'm going Pac-12 
going Pac-12. Wait, do I have an SEC? No, I don't have an SEC. So I got to have an SEC. And out of the SEC, I'm going Auburn. I'm going Auburn, Florida State, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, sneaking back in. That's how I see it playing out right as of right now. Now, this is going to change by the next time we get on air, but that's my final four right now. I think Oklahoma is going to come back and catch Baylor later in the season, um, which is going to create a weird situation because Baylor beat TCU, TCU beat Oklahoma, Oklahoma beat Baylor. I think Oklahoma sneaks in out of the Big 12. All right. You listen to the real sports well, guys. I, 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 I just want to ask a quick question. I'll ask a quick question. Oh, yeah. I hope y'all have a It sounds like y'all final four. So y'all probably predicted Notre Dame was in a close one on the road in Tallahassee and then coming back around their table because they have a tough schedule, and that's going to get them back in the mix. Is that what y'all are thinking? Because it sounds like y'all Notre both Dame is sitting at number Notre five Dame. right now. Number, the Notre Dame yep. is at number five right now. I think with strength of schedule playing in the way it's going to play and Notre Dame not having a conference affiliation and just being that wild card politically, if close, this but that's how I feel about Notre house? Dame. Politically, if they're close, they're going to wind up in. If they're a five so or six. They get house in Tallahassee. If they get house in Tallahassee, they're out. Okay. I'm only saying if they're a five or at the, at the end of the season, they're number five or number six in the rankings, they might sneak in. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. That, that's, that's my logic. That's my logic. So you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, brought to you by On the Rocks and Rockford, Illinois. Make sure you head down to On the Rocks in Rockford, hit up by man Craig Sockwell. Great food, good people, even better music. Check them out, On the Rocks, Rockford, Illinois. Fellas, it's hoop season. Hoop season is coming closer and closer by the day. We want to do our NBA preview. We got about 10, 12 minutes of airtime. All right, so first thing I want to go into is which player do you think has the most to prove going into the 2014-15 season, PhD? Hmm. I'm going to go James Harden. Mm. I think that we know what he can do individually. We average 25. Um 25 points last year, five, you know, four rebounds, six assists. Um, uh, now he's got a very strong supporting cast around him. So I think James Harden has something to prove. All right. So you go and James Harden. And I agree. I think um, Ariza was a lateral move, um, but it was a different kind of a lateral move. I think you gained as much as you lost, but you gained some different things that actually may help your team be a little bit stronger down the stretch. There's a lot of expectations in Houston at time to put up a shut-up for both him and Dwight Howard. I, I like that pick. D. Wills, a player with the most approved in 2014. I, I was going to say uh, Harden, um, but I, given so we can spread the wealth a little bit. Well, this, you got to say somebody else because Phil T. went yeah. first and he said Harden. Yeah, so, so I, I, <laughs> I think that, um, you know, we got to see some movement. You know, now that he is in New York, New York, big city dreams, we got to see some movement um, with him this year that 
shows that he can lead. Still got some challenges, but he's gifted enough to lead. And um, with the East going through transition, with a lot of different things happening, he has an opportunity to, you know, do what they did a couple of years ago if he can get his team to play the right way. So, you know, Phil's got them doing some mental exercises already out here, stuff, and some reflection in the moment type of stuff. So, you know, Carmelo, I think, is somebody who is it's time to deliver. He's moving this stage of his career. He's going to have to need more years before people just decide that he's whoever it is. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how J.R. Smith does. The crazy guy on the team is always the barometer if, if what Phil is telling, they're buying. <laughs> Rodman, Artest. <laughs> you always got to look at the crazy cat on the team. If, if he's buying in, it, it's working. If he's not quite on board, then it ain't working. They ain't buying it. And that's part of Carmelo's responsibility, right? Yeah. 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 The guy I'm looking at this season that has to step up is, is your boy Roy Hibbert, Ph.D. Your boy that just <laughs> quite don't look right. With Paul George, as Avery Johnson would say, uh, with Paul George out for the whole season, it, we forget Roy Hibbert's on a max contract and he's got to start to play like a max player. So he's got a lot to prove. Um, you know, I think if he if he continues to be in the funk that he was in the second half of last season, he might get traded um, by the trade deadline. So Roy Hibbert's got a lot to prove that he can be a guy that the, the Indiana Pacers can count on. All right? I want to hit one more topic in this preview, um, and we'll pick it up the next time we come on. Uh, playoff teams in the East and the West, and I want them in order. We're putting it on record okay. today, in order. D. Will, go first. I can't put them in order. You're going to try and make me put them in order. It I was in the rundown, man. It was in the rundown. I know. Down, all right? And when you said this, and I got on here, I was like, he tried to make me put them in, in order. Um, yep. I, let me start with the East. <laughs> let me start with the East real quick. Uh, in order. Damn. Um, I, will, I will say it's going to be, uh, I'm going to go with the Cavaliers 1. I'm going to go with Chicago 2. Man, then it's a whole bunch of you-don't-know-what's-going-on kind of teams. Uh, I'm going to go with – I'm actually going to put uh, uh, Charlotte nah, – I'm not going to do that. I, I'll put uh, <laughs> minus three. Indiana four. Uh, Charlotte five. Um, oh, actually, let me move that. Uh, Chicago. Well, I got. Did I get put Chicago for Chicago. Four. You got Chicago too. You got Chicago too. I'm, I'm messing yep. my numbers now. I'm separate down. And then I, I would. I have my my. I got a group down there that's playing around with it. Uh, Washington. And then I, I got a sleeper man because I think he can do it. Detroit. Let me say Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Detroit's your sleeper every year. <laughs> they gonna wake up. I gotta get my own team. <laughs> <laughs> All right, PhD, give me your five. Oh, your—I mean, your your, uh, your Eastern Conference. All right, I'll give you mine. I got Cleveland one, Chicago two, Miami three. I have Brooklyn four, Washington five, Toronto six, Indiana seven, and the Atlanta Hawks eight. Wow, that's what I got. 
That's what I got. PhD, what do you think about the East? I've got Indiana at eight, Brooklyn at seven, Detroit making a comeback at six, Charlotte okay. at five, Toronto at four, Chicago as a three seed, Washington as a two seed, and Cleveland as a top seed. Mm. All right, all right. We're going to speed through the West real quick. PAD, why don't you get us started since you got the mic. Get us going on the West Coast. Who you got? All right. Um, In the West, I'm going to go Memphis at 8, New Orleans at 7, the Lakers at 6. I I think the Lakers are going to have a good season. Um, Golden State at 5. The Clippers at four. I'm going to go Oklahoma City at three. This is a tough one here. I'm going to go San Antonio at two. And, and I think Houston has the best record out west. And and I think the, mm. the team that's surprised is going to be Dallas. They're not going to make the playoffs. Okay. All right. Ooh, you're putting the Mavericks on the outside looking in. That's interesting. That's interesting. I actually like what they did. Um, so I'll give you my eight real quick. Um, in the eighth spot, I got Portland. Uh, in the seventh spot, I got the Golden State Warriors. Sixth spot, I got Dallas. Five spot, I got Houston. My four, I got Memphis. My three, Oklahoma City. My two, San Antonio. My one, the Los Angeles Clippers. Wills. Y'all, y'all, y'all your make the move. West? I got, hey. uh, I'll start with one. The West is a crap San Antonio. Uh, I actually think the Clippers are going to be two. Uh, I got okay. Houston at three. They're a regular season team. Uh, I got OK City at four. I actually think Kerr is going to do something. Gold State is going to be at five. Um, I take Portland at six. Um, I think they're going to do their thing. And then this is where it's going to get interesting. Um, I, I would say uh, I, I'll take – I think Dallas will be seven. And then I would look at uh, – I, I agree with you. I think the Lakers going to be interesting. I might put Lakers at eight. Y'all going to regret that, man. Y'all both going to regret that. I'm just telling you now. I'm just telling you now. You're going to be upset with Randall's yourself. Gonna be a I think Randall's going to be a beast. He will be. I, I like him. I like him. I like his game. All right. All right. So that's where we're at. So it's on wax. We'll, we'll put it out there in, on the internet, get it posted, get folks pe- feedback on it. Um, losing my words right there. Uh, we'll get everybody's feedback on those picks. But that's where we stand today. Um, again, we'll hit you with more NBA talk over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, um, this is where my Twitter starts to rev up. Uh, check me out at Game RSG Game Changer on Twitter. Uh, also, RSG D Wills. And at Real Sports Guys, PhD, you still are not on Twitter, man. You're missing out, brother. You're missing out. I had the most fun last mm-hmm. night. 
right? Oh yeah. I didn't even actually I didn't even actually watch the BET Hip Hop Awards. I followed it on Twitter after the fact and just had a blast just reading all these tweets about what happened on the show I didn't even watch. It was so funny. It was very entertaining. I got about fifteen <laughs> minutes to and it stayed entertainment out of it. It was great. <laughs> But I, I digress completely on that. I'm going to turn the mic over to my man, Ph.D. He has the last word. The last word is brought to you by XL Academics. Uh, change of one life at a time. Ph.D., the floor is all yours. My thesis is listen to your gut. Listen to your gut. A few weeks ago, I needed a running back. I came on the air on our last show. I told the guys that I was going to go with D'Angelo Williams. D'Angelo Williams has burned me multiple times in the past. I vowed on this show a few years ago to never, ever have him on my team. I went all in on D'Angelo Williams. Of my four leagues, I started him in three. D'Angelo Williams got hurt the second quarter of that game and has not played since. I went 0-3 in those leagues, and I sat on the couch. I just shook my head, and I said, listen to your gut. Why did you do it? It doesn't matter that he was the only healthy running back, and he was going to get a ton of carries. At some point, it comes back to talent. I didn't listen to my gut. <laughs> Second game. Playing against the game changer a few weeks ago, and... Um, Monday night game, I'm up by a half a point in a fractional league that we're playing in. Game changer's done, and all I have is Percy Harvin. I asked D. Wills, should I just sit my guy and take the risk that he fumbles or does stuff, he gets negative points and I lose? D. Wills says, sit him. I asked Marcus, the game changer. He says, he says play him. The guru from KZU told me that I drafted my team. Play your guy. So I played him. The first quarter was tough. We had three touchdowns called back in the first half. <laughs> I edged out my <laughs> I stuck with my gut. That's what I got. All right, that'll do it. And I was cracking up as I'm watching these touchdowns get called back, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Great last word, brother. That does it for this edition of the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We'll be back with the October 29th edition. Make sure you check out the podcast. If you're not a subscriber, make sure you subscribe. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Facebook. Engage with the Real Sports Guys. We'll catch you next time, same time, same place, 830, October 29th. See you then. Peace. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.